Hello, hello, and welcome to Scoop FM, the official podcast of Shadynasty League, the only league that counts. I'm your host, Dan Belinke, joined as always by my co-host, Devin Rambo. Devin, why don't you say hi to everybody listening at home? Hello, everyone. Thanks, Devin. Well, there is a lot to get to today. Really, there's only stuff about the Steelers to talk about, but if you came into this podcast thinking that I would keep it contained just to our fantasy league and to topics relevant to everybody, then you were fucking delusional. Of course, I'm using this as the groundwork to ultimately one day create my Steelers podcast. Not really, but seriously, so much is happening to the Steelers, I have to address it. I have to address it right now, especially for the haters out there. Okay, there's a lot of haters out there, and I can't let hate win, so I have to push back. Okay, we've all seen the news. Ben is on IR. He's out for the year. Okay, so the Steelers are done. They're fucking washed. It's over. That's what everyone's saying, at least. But, surprise, surprise, I'm a little more optimistic than the general public is about this situation. I mean, Mason could be good. He's a good player, and we drafted him, I want to say he was a third-round pick, maybe fourth, but no, I feel like a third-round pick, and I recall we jumped up over the Bengals to get him. Two picks jumped over them. We wanted him. We were worried that the Bengals might take him, okay? And when you draft a guy, you know, the third round isn't necessarily high. But there's a lot of starting quarterbacks that were drafted in the third round or later. And when you draft a guy in that round, when you put that kind of draft capital behind him, the point is because eventually you want to see if he could start for your team. You don't do that just to secure a backup. You can get a backup on the market. Now, maybe the rookie contracts are cheaper, but there's a lot of guys out there that just want to play that will take a smaller contract because there's not that many backup jobs. Most are taken. So when you draft a guy there, you want him to play. And when you have a quarterback at Ben's age, that has to be on your mind. That maybe he's not one of the top-ranked guys, he's not going in the first 10 picks, but he could be serviceable. If at the minimum he could be a stopgap in between your aging franchise QB and your future one, and that's fine. But you want to play him eventually. You don't want to keep him on a backup basis. So this is good because we, as fans, the Steelers organization and the coaches, everybody gets to see if Mason Rudolph is actually competent, if he's actually good. We're not getting into a Favre situation with Ben that we could have got into. You have an older quarterback who's kind of slipping, and you have a young guy that you want to try out. You want to see what he's worth. You want to see what he can do, you know, before he's off the rookie contract, before... You know, it's a Jimmy Garoppolo situation. You have to ship him off because he thinks he can attract as much as your starting quarterback is making, right? So in that case, by him having to play here, by fate forcing the Steelers' hand to start him, we're getting to know truly what he is. We're avoiding a Brett Favre situation. We're avoiding an Eli situation, which I would hate to see if Ben was just decrepit and then the fan base is bickering back and forth on, you know, do you stick with the guy that brought you two Super Bowls or do you go with the young kid? It sounds eerily similar, although obviously I think the Steelers have a lot more talent than the Giants uh, in general. And I mean, look, 
if we were going to be bad this year, or even if we were going to be mediocre, if we were going to go seven and nine with Ben, I'd rather go five and eleven or four and twelve with Mason Rudolph, and I and I'd want to just see what he is. I'm not the kind of guy that wants to hold on to mediocre seasons. I don't I don't have nostalgia brain. Ben has done a lot for the Steelers. Obviously, he's been great for the Steelers. That's I mean, no one can doubt that, right? I mean, but sometimes you got to move on. And if the team is going to be mediocre and we're heading towards a rebuild or at least a bit of a downturn where we have to focus a little more on building up the team and accumulating assets and working out some of these younger guys and developing them, I'd rather get it started. Let's get going. The rest of the division is going. The Browns have Baker. The Ravens have Lamar Jackson. They're building for their future. Now, the Bengals are probably a few steps behind where the Steelers are at now, so I don't feel too bad, but we got to get a move on. So I say, let's get it going. But, you know, I am going to miss Ben. miss wearing my jersey and, you know, defending him all the time, and I know he appreciates that. So it just makes me very emotional, and for that reason, I want to play a little song that, you know, my father used to always play me. When I was down and I don't know just makes me think of this situation Devin would you mind playing that song hello darkness my old band heard you're on IR once again first time we had to suffer Charlie Batch watch it take the field and take a crap when Landry Jones back then we'd have no hope that stupid joke but now there's Mason and man this kid can really throw I think I'm smelling Super Bowl oh wait maybe also 16 and I guess I mean 14 and 2 And double digit tidies for my goodbye Juju Washington too Cause now there's Mason And Steelers fans will look at all And this chiseled manly jaw Gorgeous hair, so jet, so black Beating Cleveland, bringing that love back Hold out Baker's out the pocket And another J.J. Watt Get used to that And now there's Mason And we're gonna cut on cream on the streets Just give me anyone to coach this team The still curtain rise from sea to sea And bend the knee to President 43 That's push you see And now there's Mason Hell, Amy and Lev.
That was lovely. That's by Simon and Garfunkel. Okay, so what else news do we have to talk about? Well, the obvious. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick to the Steelers. What a fucking stupid move. Oh, you're giving up a top five. You're giving up Tua. You're giving up Tua for Minka Fitzpatrick. Look, the Dolphins are already going to have the number one pick. Whether it's Tua or Hertz or Herbert, they're getting their guy. Okay, so whatever pick the Steelers would have would be left over from that. And I'm not even sure that's a top five. Look, obviously you add Minka, and I don't think that we're a bottom five team. I really don't. And even prior to that, I don't think we were a bottom five team. I'm going to list off the teams that I think right now today are worse than the Steelers. Now you could poke a hole in this and say, okay, you just gathered up teams with like the lowest records. And that's true, but I legitimately believe that at least the, the majority of these teams are worse than the Steelers and will probably finish worse than the Steelers. Dolphins, Giants, Jets, Cardinals, Bengals, Broncos, Jags, Redskins, all worse. All of them, I think, have less talent overall. I don't care if they're going with their starting quarterback. A lot of those have quarterback situations that are in flux. Okay, I don't see how the Steelers are worse than a majority of those teams I just mentioned. Okay, so if they are better than all those teams, then it's the ninth pick overall, as we currently stand without Minka Fitzpatrick. And let's be real, like I said, a lot of those teams have quarterback situations in flux. I wouldn't be surprised. And that's what everyone's saying is, oh my God, you, you could have got a quarterback there and you just lost Ben. You're so dumb, dude. You're so dumb. All the, even if we were number five, all of the good quarterbacks would be gone. No, ch- no chance would any of those top three guys drop. And honestly, I don't really want Hertz or Herbert. I don't even know if I want Tua that much. I don't. Who knows? Who knows how good those guys really are? And, and you, can't, you can't make decisions like that where you're just always pushing things off for what might be or what could happen. You need to always play to win. You need to have faith in your guys, Okay. So here, I, like I said, I think right now we're sitting at like pick nine, okay? And with the boost that Fitzpatrick brings to the defense, that pick could be even lower. And guess what? Guess who the Steelers would take at that pick? Guess who the Steelers would? Another fucking bust. Another safety, another cornerback who's a fucking bust, who pisses off all the fans, or maybe the fans get excited for and he doesn't work out, because that's all they know how to do, Okay? Why would you rather them do that than take the sure thing, okay? You can take a guy that's proven. You don't have to wait a year to pick a guy. You don't have to wait for that guy to develop and then understand, is he good? Can we make a system for him that works for him, that he can succeed in? You have a known commodity today. An asset today is worth more than an asset a year from now. That's just simple logic, 
And not only an asset today is worth more than an asset a year from now, an asset whose value you know today versus an asset a year from now where you're not sure how good or successful they're going to be. I don't get how that's a hard concept. If they've, I know it's sunk cost, but if they've already burned all these first round picks trying to find the answer and haven't done it, well, then you make a trade. Because the Steelers apparently suck in free agency, as we know, Moncrief and any anyone else, they can never sign anyone significant, or maybe they don't want to. They've always liked building through the draft. Okay, so if you're if you know that your scouts and your evaluation of a certain position is lacking and is holding you back, then you make a trade. Then you say, I can't make the right move with this pick. I'm going to give up this pick to someone who did identify a good prospect at that position properly. And I am going to leverage their skill, give them this pick for that player in return. It's not that hard. Okay, and also, like I said, I think he's worth at least an extra win. And you think like, okay, that's crazy. It's just one quarterback. But no, look at the game with Seattle. That's a perfect example. So it's the fourth quarter. Steelers need to get the ball back to try to win. Okay, it's third and 24. They need to stop badly. They rush three. That's it. They spread out really wide. They spread out thin. They put two guys on Tyler Lockett. I have Tyler Lockett in Dynasty, and no team should be double covering Tyler Lockett. I'm sorry. I like him. He's a good player. He is not that good. In my mind, there there's a handful of select top-tier wide receivers that you need to be double covering at all times. Tyler Lockett is not one of them. But why do you do that? Why do you spread out so thin on third and 24? It's when you have a weak secondary, when the pieces that you have out there are weak and you can't trust them. So you have to double cover Tyler fucking Lockett because you don't trust one of your guys to get the job done. So what happens on that play when they go out wide? Well, Russell Wilson keeps it. Surprise. He runs for 23 yards. Okay, so then he doesn't get the first down. They go for it on fourth and one, and they get it. That could be a line problem. But my point being, that could have been avoided. All right? And then Seattle has to punt. I don't remember if they were close enough for a field goal there. I kind of feel like they were teetering on uh, field goal range. But regardless, you could have had a situation to win the game with your, your, your second-year quarterback who's getting his first start, who came in as a surprise, could have won you that game. What confidence boost that would have been? How amazing would it have been to be one-and-one one with this young quarterback? What would the narrative have been then? So yeah, I think Mika Fitzpatrick is worth a lot, okay? And yeah, you just don't assume. All this talk about getting a quarterback next year, you don't, if you're an NFL team, you don't operate under the assumption that your players suck. You don't, unless you're the Dolphins or the Giants, and they do, and you need to recognize that. You don't operate under the assumption that Rudolph is more likely to be a bust than a success. And statistically speaking, that's true, but you don't operate under that assumption. You don't operate under the assumption that Ben will never be able to come back and play again. You just don't do that. You assume your talent is talented. That's how you build and run an organization. That's what the Steelers do. And if we're bad, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? If we're bad this year, who gives a shit? If we're bad next year without a number one, uh, without a round, first round pick, who gives a shit? Guess what? We're getting over 20 million in cap space of dead money off the books from AB. Guess what we're going to do with that money? What we should do, the smart move, get a free agent safety to go along with your new linebacker and your new cornerback. Get a good solid guy there and build out that defense. 
suck for one more year, who cares? And then in the next year, it's another quarterback class. And if Rudolph, if you've given him a year and a half and he didn't pan out, if him and Ben are back and forth, Ben's looking old, he's looking, you know, bad, that's okay. Get a quarterback then. Trust me, it's not that hard and it makes a lot of sense. Okay, so that kind of brings me to another segment I want to do. Uh, Before we get into what's actually happening in the league and, you know, supposed to be the subject of this podcast, but humor me. Okay, there's not that much going on just in terms of the fact that I'm recording this before waivers process. There haven't been any trades. So we just have to get up into the matchups. And really, we got time. So just humor me. So, you know, I've heard a lot of people talking about how, oh, you know, like every team has a good quarterback. And it's cra- and I've said some things like this too. You know, like every team is set at quarterback. And okay, yeah. And even um, teams that might be bad, that might be at the top of the ranks, well, they just drafted a quarterback recently, so they'll probably give him time. Maybe quarterbacks will start slipping. Well, we're two weeks in, and suddenly that's not looking like the case at all. Now, it's natural to think that. We have 13 starting quarterbacks in the league. I'm sorry, 14 now that Daniel Jones was just announced a starter, and maybe 15 by the end of the season if Haskins gets in, potentially 16 if, um, I'm not sure how long Josh Allen has been in the league for Carolina, but if Taysom Hill, I think he was drafted within the past three years, so if he starts starting over Bridgewater, then half of the teams in the league starting quarterback will have just been drafted in the past three years. Okay, so when you have a situation like that, it felt like for a long time we had a great crop of quarterbacks um, and people were coming in and out, you know, a couple of guys would stick. It's felt like in the past three years, we're finding a lot of guys um, who are at least competent enough to keep a starting job, potentially becoming franchise guys. Now, there's obviously sure things like Mahomes and Baker, Wentz, um, uh, Deshaun Watson, and no, not Goff. But anyways, there's a lot of sure things, and there's a lot of guys that are competent enough to keep the job at least for a year or two like Trubisky and Goff. Um, So... It's not a surprise that when you have that influx of younger guys plus the older guys that we're relying on for people to think that. But like I'm saying, really when you dig down deep into it, within the next two years, I can come up with 17 teams that potentially could be making a quarterback switch. And I just want to run through these with you guys because I don't think people talk enough about this. So the first one is the most obvious one, and it just goes by a function of age. You have a very old quarterback. It's about time you change it up, okay? So this, the whole reason this is even coming to light, I'm deciding to talk about it, is our first two teams, the Steelers and the Saints. You have quarterbacks that are 37 and 40, respectively, and, I mean, they're getting old. It doesn't take much, just a few hits to really put them out of the league. Their bodies are deteriorating. I mean, Ben, the past... The, the first game and a half he played, I mean, I know it was tough competition, but he just looked like he wasn't even in it. And he ran that one ball in the Seattle game. He looked very slow. I mean, he's never been fast, but he used to be actually like kind of a powerful-looking runner, but he just looked slow. And, and Breeze, by the end of last year, if it weren't for Kamara, I mean, how well would they have really done in the playoffs? Because he could not throw the ball downfield. And he's lucky that his number one ta- target is Michael Thomas, who is just a perfect possession receiver guy to complement basically his lack of skill throwing down the field. Um, another one is the Chargers. I mean, to me, this was one of my early pred- predictions um, that the Chargers would slip this year and not make the playoffs. 
yeah, I predicted that. I also said the same thing about the Bears. And ask Bob and Dave. I was watching games with them Sunday. We heard the Minka Fitzpatrick news, and I said, yeah, Steelers should pick him up. And guess what? They did. I have to go through all my projections here, predictions, so that way I can, uh, you know, start gloating them, putting them to, uh, putting them out in the ether. Anyway, so if they suck and they don't make the playoffs this year, how much longer is Philip Rivers really going to put up with that shit? I mean, he's old. I'm sure he wants to get out of the house because he has like 13 kids running around there, but he's his family still lives in San Diego. He commutes like two and a half hours to and from their training facility every day. And if he's doing that just to be on a 500 team, a team that can't get past the Chiefs, which, I mean, is looking like the likely future for them what's the point I mean he's not getting that Super Bowl he's just gonna have to accept that within two years I could see him moving on um the last team in this quarterback is the Patriots and I mean I don't know I put him on the list but fuck it Brady's gonna play until he's 50 and just continue to terrorize everyone and then after that they'll just kind of probably put his consciousness in a younger body and so they'll tell us that oh yeah this is our new quarterback Jarrett Stidham but listen to how he talks a lot of the same mannerisms it'll be Brady. Okay, my next group of teams is just the enough is enough guys, like guys that have just been given a shot and they can't fucking do it. You've been in the league long enough and the team is thinking it's time to move on. Um, the two perfect compliments here to start off are the Bucks and the Titans. Uh, Jameis and Mariota, both taken in the same draft class, uh, both Heisman winners, uh, and a lot of talks about, oh, who would have the bigger impact career? I don't know, I guess you say Mariota because he's been to two playoff games, maybe one. I might have been injured for one of the Titans playoff games that they had made it to. But, I mean, none of those guys really ever lived up to the expectations that some people were assigning them. And I could see either of these teams, especially with Arians as a new coach, um, it doesn't really seem like uh, Vrabel cares how good his quarterback is because he trusts more in just running the ball on defense. But he might, and both those teams might be ready to move on. Uh, the next one is the Bengals. I mean, you got to feel like Zach Taylor is an offensive guy. I mean, he's already making John Ross pop off, and Marvin Lewis could never get that guy going. You have to feel like if they have a shitty year and they're up there, he's going to want an upgraded quarterback. Andy Dalton has been given enough chances. Andy Dalton should not still be starting. The Bengals are so stagnant in the way they handle Marvin Lewis, in the way they handle Andy Dalton. They're just, they're they're a butt franchise. And shame on us for not shitting on them more often. The Raiders. I mean, kind of all the AB news has taken some of the heat off of Derek Carr because now he looks like a good guy relative to, you know, how Antonio spent his time on the Raiders. But Ever since Gruden got that job, everyone's been speculating that he can't like Derek Carr that much. I mean, really, Gruden is apparently fascinated and fatuated with young players that he thinks he can mold, particularly quarterbacks. And I don't know what Derek Carr has done since um, that playoff run they made when he almost had that MVP year and then broke his leg. What has he done since to have a starting job? Basically been the only guy there. Gruden is rostering four quarterbacks right now, literally, like him. I think Nathan Peterman is on there. Tyrod Taylor might be. I don't even know, but that's very uncommon, right? Most teams only have another quarterback on. That's why the Steelers just had to pick someone up, name escaping me right now, but that's how it goes. I mean, you don't normally have 
more than one backup on your roster unless you have very little faith in your quarterback. Um, the next one could be the Bears. I mean, I think you go with Trubisky until his rookie contract ends. Uh, so, you know, he's got, what, two more years of that? Or was he drafted? I can't remember. But anyways, he just does not look good. They look like a team, or they're definitely a fan base that is looking to move forward. Um, maybe a hole opens up there as kind of Aaron Rodgers gets older. And I could see that pairing up very nicely, like Aaron Rodgers getting older, the Packers becoming more irrelevant, and then Trubisky's rookie contract ending, not signing him and drafting someone else. Um, and the last guy I put in this category is the Panthers with Cam. And not that they've had enough of Cam, but that Cam's haven't had enough. I mean, look at Andrew Luck. Look at Cam's injuries this year. I mean, look at, I, I'd say if you had to ask me who the guys that took the most beating that were starting, I'd say Ben, Andrew Luck, and Cam, out of any starting quarterbacks going into this year, have been beaten up more than anyone else. And all three of them are in question. One has retired, um, and the other two are in quite, or one is not playing this year. Cam might be going on that trajectory, and either of those two are liable to retire. So that's another team that could need something if Will Greer ends up not working out and not impressing them. Uh, the next group is just, these are obvious ones. They need a franchise guy. The Dolphins have no one. I really doubt they like Josh Rosen that much. I think uh, they'll keep him around maybe to potentially start a few games um, or just see how he performs uh, in training camp against whoever they draft. But ultimately, I think they'll be trading him to another team where he'll just be a backup. Um, the Broncos, I mean, Flacco has looked awful. F- Flacco is what we thought he was. This was not a Peyton Manning situation like, oh, get the veteran Super Bowl winner, you know, whose team uh, whose team pushed him to the curb. This is not that. Have no illusions. This is not that. And Drew Locke's on IR. We're not seeing him play. And if they're a top five pick again, fuck it. What does Elway care what people say about him? Take another quarterback if you don't have yours. Um, next one is the Colts. Uh, yeah, I mean, they did the right thing. They got Jacoby Brissett locked up, but only for two years. So within the next two years, I could see them trying to make a move on a quarterback. Uh, Frank Reich seems to have a good eye for young quarterbacks, or at least know how to get the most out of them with Wentz and then Foles winning them a Super Bowl. So I think they're satisfied where they're at now, but within two years, I could definitely see them making a move. And the last one is the Jags. We don't know how good Gardner Minshew is. He's really cool and funny. And I like having him in the league. He's a good personality. Um, but Foles is, is older. He's injured. Even when he comes back, it's only a three-year deal. So, And we don't know how, how he's going to look when he comes back. So I could see them moving on. Um, the last one I'll call the change of management group. This is my most long shot group. This is teams where they've had new coaches or new GMs come in. And they've inherited quarterbacks who are younger who have just recently been drafted. But as we saw with Josh Rosen in Arizona, um, that doesn't always guarantee that your job is secure. And if that team sucks and has another top draft pick, they might be tempted. Okay, so the first one, and all these might surprise you, and probably none of them will come true, but the first one is the Jets. So Gase is on record actually saying that Darnold was his lowest-ranked quarterback coming out of that draft. I actually might have been above Rosen, but definitely below Baker Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. So already he's probably not thrilled 
with having Darnold when he thinks about comparatively, if he was with the organization earlier, who they could have got. Um, and Darnold hasn't had a chance to prove himself because he has fucking mono. And who knows how long that's going to last. And when he comes back, he might look weaker. And if they have a top pick, and Gase is a fucking nut job, if he's enamored with Justin Herbert, I wouldn't be surprised if he snagged him, really, and, and had them duke it out. I, I, I could see him making a move like that. Uh, the other one is the Redskins. You feel like Jay Gruden is coaching for his life right now. He is definitely a candidate to get the axis here. Um, and that guy, whoever they bring in, they'll probably be trying to pitch him on developing Haskins. But if Haskins starts a full year under a new coach who's maybe more offensive-minded and it's not working out and they suck, I could see them getting someone else in the draft. I mean, he was a fifth, 15th overall, but, you know, Cardinals dumped Rosen, who was 10th overall, so it's not that surprising. Even though I love Haskins and I don't think that he would fail that hard, but if the team sucked and they, who knows if they got a new coach. And last one is the Cardinals. Like, Cliff Kingsbury was brought in. Him and Kyler Murray are like a dual, dual package, right? But if he gets fired, if they still suck in two or three years repeatedly, if he gets fired, does the next guy keep Kyler Murray? I don't know, you know? That could be a situation where he tries to move him. Um, and not because of any fault of Kyler Murray, but just because some people can't mold to the style of quarterback that they have. Like the Ravens, let's admit, have done an excellent job of doing that. But other people are more rigid, and they can't. So maybe they can't really work with Kyler Murray like a typical pocket passer that they might want. So those are the ones that I would say. Those are 17 teams who could have quarterback changes within the next two years. Next two or three years. Okay? Two years, really. So yeah, will most of those happen? Probably not. You know, if I hit on over half of them, well then, that's pretty good. But just when people tell you that everything's all set, all the quarterbacks and everybody's in place, not quite, my friend. Not quite. All right, so let's get to the actual point of this podcast, which is, you know, I'm supposed to be talking about this Dynasty League that we're all in, um, but, you know, I just didn't have time, and there's other shit I want to talk about, so whatever. You're listening. It's your fault, not mine. Um, so let's get into matchup roundup. Like I said, no trades, no waiver action to really cover. Um, so let's start with my matchup, of course, me versus Drew, and Drew, pray with the baby. I won this one 164.6 to 124.6, a 40-point margin, largest margin of the week. Also gave me the top score of the week, securing me the high roller award. I think that's what it was called for having the most points in a week. So I was a 21.7 projected favorite. Drew actually went 10 points over his projection, but I went 30. When they go hard, I go harder. When they go deep, I go deeper. So... There was really nothing Drew could do. There was no roster adjustment that he could make uh, to make up that margin. I'm just going to read you off a list of names. Devontae Adams, T.Y. Hilton, Chris Godwin, Christian Kirk, Kenny G, Scary Terry McLaurin, and Debo Samuel. What do all those guys have in common? Well, they all went for over 10 points, and they're all my receivers. The only other receiver I have is Tyler Lockett, who had a big play called back that would have pushed him over 10. I am in a glut. I can't, in my seasonal leagues, I can't draft a wide receiver for shit. Look at all of my teams. They all suck. Somehow, I'm just popping all over the place. Pop, 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 So send me a real offer if you're down. Um, yeah. The Texans offense really hurt Drew. 
I mean, he's got DeAndre Hopkins and Duke Johnson. So if they're struggling, essentially he's struggling because those are two of his, I mean, that's probably his best receiver, I think, over Odell, and Duke's probably his second best running back. Okay, now we're on to Bob versus Matt. Bob wins that one, 132.3 to 119.4, 12.9-point margin. Uh, Bob was almost a one-point favorite. He missed his projection by about 10, but Matt missed his by 20. Bob lost some—he left some big points on the bench in Raheem Mostert, uh, who had a big week, and he had just picked up for $4, so excellent pickup, but it wasn't enough uh, to you know push him to win the payout. Um, Matt's roster is going to catch up to him. I mean, just just he has eight quarterbacks, and seven of them are starting. Derek Carr, Josh Allen, Andy Dalton, Marcus Mariota, Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, Jacoby Brissett, and Eli. If Eli got traded to the Jags if Gardner Minshew didn't work out, he would have one-fourth of all starting quarterbacks in the league. And what's amazing is that, like, um, of these eight, I'm almost positive that five are going to finish, like, bottom ten. But... God, I mean, he can't, I can't even clown him or say like what he could have done with his roster most of the time because he can't make start and sit decisions. He literally doesn't, you can only play two quarterbacks a week and then he's left with six bench spots that are all quarterbacks. So there's barely anything he can do aside from swapping out quarterbacks. Now this week, he could have overcome this margin if he had went Andy Dalton over Derek Carr and played Greg Olson over Kittle. But most of the time, I don't think you make those moves anyways. Let's go on with Dave and Bill. Dave wins 137.1 to 97.8, a 39.3 margin. Bill was the lowest scorer of the week. I'm not sure. I almost think this is the first time someone's dipped below 100 so far, but I'll have to get back to you on that. Um, Dave was favored by 25 points. He missed his projection by about 10, and Bill missed his by 25. I mean, that's going to happen... You know, Ben goes out. He only has like three points in by half. Briggs goes out, and then Michael Thomas is pretty much null and void. And, I mean, he left some points on his bench, but he really didn't have a way that he could win this one. Um, and there's not much else exciting, so let's go on to Devin and Eric. Devin wins 155.4 to 128.3, 27.1 point margin of victory. Dev was projected as a five-point favorite, but he put an extra 20 on that sweet ass. Um, and it was all thanks to the Pats D. I mean, he paid 12 bucks for him, and yeah, that's it. That's basically the only reason he won. Uh, 35 points. I mean, if he doesn't get that, essentially, he loses his matchup because he only won by 27. If he had to start almost any other defense, he would have lost. Um, Pats D plus Kelsey put up over half of what Bill's entire team scored. So, ouch. Um, it was just too big of a deficit. Eric really couldn't have found a way to win that one. Oddly enough, Eric's played the second highest scorer in the league two weeks in a row. Now, last week, that was Nick, and he was the number one highest scorer, so he won. Now, this week, he's the fifth highest scorer, so it doesn't always work out. Devin could have had the highest score. He could have done it. He could have beat me. He could have nuzzled that $5 right out of my hands, but he didn't play Gardner Minshew over Phillip Rivers. I don't get it, Devin. You spend the money play it. It's mine. I spend it. You spend it. You flaunt. I don't know. if That's not, that's not right. Um, yeah. And then if he had done that and then played almost like half of his flex options on the bench over Hawkinson, then he could have done it. But 
I left points on the board too, buddy, so relax. Finally, our match of the week, Nate and Nick. This was an absolute heartbreaker. Nate wins 119.1 to 108.9, a 10.2 margin. Semi-big, but still the lowest margin of the week. Nate was projected to be a five-point dog. Both teams went under this, their projections. This would have been a really, really nice game for Nick to win. A nice start to the season to take one of the top dogs from last year down. But it was just a heartbreaker. I mean, Breeze goes out, uh, you know, Wentz. I mean, he's in and out of the game. He ends up actually having a decent stat line, but he didn't play the entire game, you know, so that's points that you're missing. Uh, Nick sent an all-time message to the group me when he said his quarterbacks had combined for like negative four so far um yeah Ingram gets banged up so he doesn't play the full game and uh yeah there weren't more touches for Ronald Jones as Nick anticipated don't I saw that report too and it was from fucking rap sheet do not trust Rappaport he fucking sucks he's Schefter light and he's bullshit I'll never forgive him I, I think I called Devin. I might have called Devin the night that he reported that Antonio Brown was going to Buffalo. I think I cried, and, and we weren't together, but if we were, I think we would have literally jumped for joy, and that fucker lied. He just always has it wrong. Don't trust him, no matter what he says. And, and while I'm on that, so you start Ronald Jones, and I'm looking, you have Dare Ogumbalale on your bench. Why, in God's name, do you have two running backs from the Buccaneers on your team. Two. There, I mean, I get there are some teams where it might be worth on Dynasty to have two running backs, even if it's not a straight handcuff situation. You just think they're splitting time. But the Bucks, I mean, do you really, you want to handcuff Ronald Jones that bad? Like, oh shit, if Ronald Jones goes out, I really need to plug in three touches a week. Good God. Um, he could have won this one though. If he had played Paris Campbell and Eric Ebron over pick any two of these three, Ronald Jones, Gordon, or Breeze, but you never really do that realistically. Obviously, you play one of those guys over Ronald Jones. That goes without saying. You can't trust Rap Sheet. But, I mean, you're not going to flex in a guy over a quarterback. And you're definitely going for the upside with Josh Gordon against Miami. But an insane low. I They scored 50 points. How? I don't, like, see Josh Gordon. I mean, A.B. did all right. How? I don't even know. It's terrible. I hate the Pats. Yeah, I mean, Nick sent about as close to a perfect of a lineup as he had available, but, you know, just couldn't get it done. So that happens. All right, let's wrap this thing up. We all got places to be. And let's update the rankings. We'll give you an update on all the rankings do a little dishing about what we think is happening, what the playoffs would look like if they started today, whatever. Okay, Devin is in first place at 2-0, but second most in points. Dave is in second place, uh, third most in points. Um, Nate is in third place. He's the last 2-0 team, last undefeated team on the rankings, but ninth in points. How could that be? Well, he's the least points scored against him. So Nate's been squeaking out some lucky ones here. Uh, in fourth place is Eric. He's our first team who is at 500. He actually has the number one most points. You know, uh, he had the first. He had the highest score in the first week. He had a pretty high score this week. So no surprise there. I am in fifth place with the fifth most points. I like to keep things even. I'm just that kind of guy. I don't like to get confusing, so that's good. I'm at one and one as well. Uh, Matt is in sixth place 
with the seventh most points. Uh, he's one is one and one as well. Bob is in seventh place with the eighth most points. He's one and one. And now we get into our guys who have yet to win a game. Uh, Nick is in eighth place, but he has the fourth most points. He's getting screwed every week. It's ah, he's just getting screwed. He's so close. He can almost taste it. This is now an ASMR podcast. No. Okay. Then we have Drew in ninth place, but 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 with the six most points. So yeah, there's there's some hope here. And Bill. Bill's in last place with the tenth most points. Ouch. Okay. Bill really could go from first to worst. And I see he's preemptively called his team Bill's injured reserve to just talk about, oh, it's a, I get the injury bug. Let me tell you, I, I have anonymous sources from two GMs who told me I could quote them on this. This was on the record, but they preferred to stay anonymous. They said they looked at his team before, they looked at it after he made all those moves, and they asked me if Billy had taken up crack. They said, what the fuck is he doing? He fucked up his team so bad, so bad. So that's not me, that's not my opinion. That's two other GMs in this league, and I'm a professional, so I'm not going to name them. Um, Devin's at the top. Uh, I mean, seems to be you know pretty pretty even. Obviously, Nate... It's kind of an outlier here. He's undefeated, but he has almost the lowest, lowest points scored. So I wonder if he'll be able to keep that up. Or if his guys will start rallying, well, that'll be nice. He squeaked out some lucky ones. Maybe he can stay up there. Um, as for Devin at number one, another anonymous GM told me this, and I thought it was very insightful. He said, go, don't just open up our league. Open up every league you're in. Look at who owns Austin Eckler and look where they are in the rankings. Guarantee you they're pretty high up there. Why is that? Well, Eckler's number one running back in football so far. Now, to be fair, he scored about half as many points this week as he did last week. And if we extrapolate that throughout the entire season, well, holy shit, by week four, he'll be having like two points a week. Uh, No, that's not, you can't really do that. But it is a fair point. For the value that you got Eckler out, for either, you know, you drafted him this year, you drafted him last year in Dynasty, for what you're getting is a huge differentiator. And basically, Devin was also buoyed by a timely, and I'll hand it to him, smart pickup of the Pats D. But, yeah, definitely see that starting to deteriorate a bit. Uh, I think that's all that's really interesting in terms of the ranking so far. So, let's not leave you in suspense any longer. Let's get to this upcoming week's match of the week. Okay, got a lot of good matchups on the board. We actually have a nice rivalry week versus Dave and Eric, and these two fucking hate each other, and I really don't want to get into it right now, so yeah, it's going to be bloody. Um, Now, I know I just made Nate and Nick uh, the match of the week, but I got to do this one. I got I to gotta put Nate back in the mix again. It's him versus Devin match of the week. These were your second and third place teams from last year. Two of our three undefeated teams. So after this, after this, there could be no more than two undefeated teams in this league. And if Eric pulls one out over his rival, Dave, which I'm sure he'd love to pull his fucking guts out and just shit all over his uh, decaying body because they hate each other so much. Yeah, there might only be one undefeated team remaining. You know why? Because we're all just so good. We're all so good. 
and we're all winners. You're all winners in my book. Okay, so that's your match of the week. And don't forget, next week payout is the early lead award. This is a simple award. If you win by the most points, if you have the greatest margin of victory in the league, then you get that sweet $5. All right, well, what did we learn today? Well, you indulged me on 20 minutes of Steelers talk, three minutes of a song, about 10 minutes on some like quarterback thing I did, and we talked about our league for maybe five. But, hey... It was a great time. And what are you doing? It's the middle of the week. You got 45 minutes to spare. You can listen to this. Relax. All right. Well, I think we covered all of our bases. I've got no more to say. So I guess that's it for us. Till next time. Till the waters rise from the oceans, they drown our cities, and we all die gasping for air. Goodbye.